This episode was originally a live conversation at Founders Tap back in April 2022. If you as a gr- company want to, to grow and, and keep um, happy employees and also get the, the young people on board, the Gen Z, do you think anyone wants to work with Excel to do like any of the spend and send that with house posts around and like, <laughs> for real? Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. So hi, everyone. It's a pleasure to see all of you here. Basically, today we're going to talk everything about B2B sales. And there's probably the legendary Lars, uh, the real sales guru here in Switzerland. So thank you so much for being here today. It's a Pleasure to have you again on stage. Thank you. We were just making fun uh, because there was Sylvan, serial entrepreneur, and then Lars, serial guest of the Swisspreneur show. Absolutely. So Lars, you recently raised your 80 million Series B round. You also won Sequoia, one of the best investors in the world. I wonder, what were your challenges when you started Yokoya and what are your biggest challenges today? How did they change over time? Yeah, so thanks God I have some good co-founders that can uh, also <laughs> uh, help raising capital. And uh, the challenges that, I mean, the challenges, they change constantly uh, as you grow as a company. I mean, in the beginning, I I always remember we didn't have the money to hire people. And now we have the chance that we can't hire fast enough, right? So the challenges, they change a lot, right? And if you are like a small startup, your biggest challenge is like, the next quarter, having enough money for um, paying your employees and having enough revenue to raise your next round. And when you raised a big round, then it's more like long-term challenges that you have. And one of them is like, how do you spend 80 million? <laughs> I mean, that's also a challenge, right? I mean, I'm sure you have a few items that you want to spend that on. <laughs> I mean, mo- so no, for real now, um, the, the, so we will use the money, uh, especially for our expansion, which is a big, big topic now. Uh, also for our products. Um, so we are heavily now into the payment section. I'm not sure if you have see, seen that. So we have announced uh, a credit card with 2% cashback. Not making any ads here for <laughs> people that <laughs> well, for real 2%. Um, and, uh, and next to that, we're also he- heavily investing in building up like a very strong partner channel because that worked out really well from the beginning. So that is where the, where the money goes. And then, of course, uh, yeah, new office and uh, bigger teams. And, of course, if you have more salespeople, you also need more tech people, more customer success, and so on and so on. And, yeah, I mean, B2B sales, that is basically an essential part of your journey, of your growth journey that is yet to come or to be continued. And just for everyone here, if you do have any questions that you want to ask Lars, there will be a chance at the end. So we're going to go talk through the B2B sales process, the best tips. But if there's anything that you want to ask him at the end, save it, write it down so he can make and pick his brain. So let's start with generating leads. That's usually the first starting point because you need to have some leads that you can actually work on. What are your best lead generation strategies? So uh, the best is, of course, if you have a marketing team that will generate leads for you and uh, we we have that now we have that we have uh, i mean we we always had a great uh, marketing team but now when i look at uh, at my bdrs they can really uh, do some lead calling which 
yeah, it's, it's crazy to see. And in the beginning, of course, when you start, you don't have that, right? You need to build up your marketing channels, branding. You need to have the awareness until the leads come. And then, of course, you have to, um, yeah, as, as a founder of a company or if you do sales, um, or you do both, uh, then you have to, of course, generate the leads on your own. And and I think the the best the best approach is to use a multiple channel approach. Um, and the thing that still works the best in Switzerland, especially, is calling and and emailing. And the best is if you connect the dots with you know you. You, you need to have a game plan, like when you send out the first email and then you make a quick call, you send a LinkedIn request. And the cool thing about 2022 is you can automate that all, so you don't have to do that uh, all day long. So uh, use the $200 for, for the tool. Fair point. What role does LinkedIn play in that regard? So I think, so what, what I found out, but maybe it's different for other companies, what I found out when, like in the beginning, uh, we try to do a lot of lead generation through LinkedIn because it's very convenient. You go into Sales Navigator, you type in, I want to look for CFOs, companies between 50 to 1,000 employees. That's what we usually were looking for uh, back in the day and then, of course, located in Switzerland. And then we just send out LinkedIn re requests, so connection requests with a message. We were also sending out in-mails. And what was very funny is that the emails they never worked. I think I never got a single reply on an email. They just look like ads, right? Yeah. Um, the connection requests they work, but they only work because there are people out there like me that just accept every LinkedIn request. I did. I didn't do that in the past, but then when we like raise money, you get like tons of LinkedIn requests, and everybody tries to prospect you then. So. It's a very, so if you think like when a company has raised money, it's a good time to reach out. Usually your email will go under, so they will not see it. But I think the, the role that LinkedIn plays really well is when I send you an email and I follow up with a connection request saying, hey, I just sent you an email. And when I grab the phone and call you, I can refer to ASL when I try to contact you through email. I send you a LinkedIn request. Like, does that ring a bell? And then it's great conversation starter. So the, really the multiple channel approach that you described exactly. before. Now it seems that you're shifting more towards content and also partner uh, network to acquire new leads. Is that something that just comes with the growth of the company and changes from the early days? Yeah, I think what for me was crazy to see is um, at Beekeeper, we were actually struggling um, to building that, that partner ecosystem. And I think that was also because Beekeeper, I mean, if you look at Yoko, I mean, we're, I mean, we know exactly we, we sell to the to the CFO or to the accounting department. And we also know exactly what are the systems where Yokoi will be integrated in. If you look at Beekeeper, that was a bit of a challenge because often it was a standalone solution. So Beekeeper was also struggling building up the the partner channel back in the days. I, I think they, they have now built up a, a very big uh, partner business. And so I thought, okay, in the beginning, it will maybe not work out well. And what I recognized is that <clears throat> even in the beginning, we had a lot that were interested in partnering with us. So we were like, okay, I mean, we will just go for a very basic referral model. So what we did is we asked Beekeeper to send us a referral contract. And we changed, you know, you have this function, uh, search and change. And we changed Beekeeper with your uh, expense robot back then. Right. <laughs> and then we closed some uh, uh, referral agreements. So you get like 10% basically of the contract size you get if you do a referral. And then we started out with some partners that were actually selling to the same persona 
or they were somehow connected to one of the systems where Yokoi was integrated. And that turned out to work really well. And we won like Stadler Rail, which is uh, one of the first big deals that we really won. It was actually from one of those referral partners. Amazing. When does it actually make sense to switch to a partner program instead of doing everything yourself? Is there a certain, certain threshold where you say, at this revenue stage, it makes sense to start thinking about a partner program or what's the, the ideal setup? So I think looking at the referral partnership, I think there's not like a too early. Referrals are always super good. And, and one thing is also really important, do not tell everyone that you have like a referral partnership because then when someone opens the door for you, they... So that and that really sucks. I mean, if I can open a door for someone, I will always do that without referral agreements. And I also expect that from other people that, you know, like in the community, you know what I mean? Um, so, uh, so the referral partnership, you can start very early on. That works really well. There's absolutely no risk included. The only thing that can happen is that you get referred and you are already in that account. So you have to also be very transparent with your partners there. Um, for the reseller part, where they do like the full sales cycle, and then you also have like implementation partner, or the best is like you have the reseller and implementation partner, so they sell your solution and implement your solution. Um, I would wait for that until you have really cracked the nut and you have your knowledge base available. Because that we started, we started very early um, with the reseller partnership, and you really need to have a proper training in place for your partners. Otherwise, it, it really won't work out. Especially as a startup, when your product grows like crazy, and every week you have a new feature, or you decide to stop with something that you did before, and they will just sell it still. So that is what I can say from like timing. So the partner program, the referral program, it's not a magic bullet. It also really needs a lot of attention and nurturing on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. So now we talked about generating leads, but of course you also have to work on these leads once you have them in the pipeline. So how do you actually build a relationship and then move them through your sales process to win them as customers eventually? How can you focus on that relationship part? Yeah, I think it's really important because the time is limited and, and you have also a, a limited funnel that you can really work on because if you have like a, a, a funnel that is full of of leads um that's also you, you you won't be efficient so i think and and we did that too late uh so if i could travel back in time what i would do is really once you have a positive reply and and you have someone interested in like really do a very very proper qualification process and really finding out like is it is it a fit right because uh, you always speak about like the marketing qualified leads sales qualified leads and that you really have to determine like what are the points, the, the checkboxes that need to be ticked that you are willing to spend one hour demo call, whatever. Um, so I think that that is like uh, that is that is really important. And do you have good examples for that? Like, yeah. what are your checkboxes that you so tick? I think you have a strategy as a startup, right? So for us, it's like we want to be the the number one spend management tool for mid-sized and, and enterprise companies and we wanted every dollar spent goes through Yocoin and then from that on you build your ICP your ideal customer profile and based on your ideal customer profile you do your qualification process so if we say hey we are not speaking to companies um, that have less than 50 employees um, then of course my first question will be yeah how many are you and if you say like 10 then I can tell you right like okay hey, this is a, this, it's not a fit right and then you also have like um, you have uh, demographics, firmographics, technographics. I mean, also depending on the systems that you use. If you tell me you use SAP, it's already an indicator that, hey, that is a good sign. If you tell me you have a, 
very specific sports ERP solution that you have built 2008 and is hosted in your basement and probably <laughs> Nuka will not be the solution for you. Nice. So what do you then do afterwards? Are there any, you know, you also want to eventually close the deal, right? And yeah. we always call this sense of urgency in the sales process. So your product is there, you have your subscription, but sometimes the customer don't really have any urgent need to replace their existing solution or to close a deal with you. What are your tips and tricks to sort of speed up the sales process and say, hey, you better close this month and not next month? Yeah. Uh, that was actually one of the things we were struggling with because when we really started out, COVID hit. And uh, as you can imagine, every, everyone was, of course, looking for an expense management solution back then. They were like, hey, <laughs> we're not traveling. Let's look out for expense solutions. So um, we actually turned that to our advantage to tell them, like, we had to educate them and tell them, like, hey, now is really the time to... Um, uh, to look at these processes again. So what what I would recommend there. So look, if if you have a if you have a critical event, that's like the best thing that can happen. If you know they have a solution in place that will be discontinued, that is jackpot really, because then you can say, okay, the solution will be stopped on the 31st of July. So you need something in place by the 1st of August and that I can guarantee this slot to you. I need to reverse engineer and I need to have your decision by the second week of May. Done deal. Um, perfect. But in a, in, in the, that, that only exists in the perfect world. And unfortunately, uh, we, we don't have many of these cases. So what we try to do, and uh, that works out really well, is when you do your pitch, you need to start at a... 30,000 feet above topic, really like a board topic, um, that you show your prospect that if they continue doing what they're doing now, that they will eventually run into problems, right? So what we, for example, say, and that, that works really well is, is, I mean, we tell them and, and we show them stats about, for example, talent scarcity, like it's really hard to find talent, to attract good talent. And if, if I mean, Myself, I would not work for a company where I could not use my MacBook Pro. I would not do it. And I think I said it even in an interview with you once. So I would not do that. And I think, therefore, it's really important that if you as a gr company want to, to grow and, and keep um, happy employees and also get the, the young people on board, the Gen Z, do you think anyone wants to work with Excel to do like any of the spend and send that with house posts around and like... <laughs> For real, so that that helps a lot, and uh, then of course, together with the engagement, you need to keep someone engaged, and and also from the first discovery call. That's why I said it's so important to have this discovery call. You also need to ask like, when I show you the solution, and you like it, what would be a timeline where you would love to to have this ready? And usually, when you ask this question, you also get the answer by yesterday, which is also a good indicator. And if they say yeah by 2024, then yeah, it's not really a qualified lead, right? Then you can say we we speak again in 2023. I think you mentioned a few very important points, right? First one is you basically map and link your solution to the larger business objectives of the company mm -hmm. to really show, hey, you need us. This is important. We have business value. Do you f heavily focus on cost reduction or can I also, with the talent, for example, you know, make more money with your solution? What is the pitch there that you do? Yeah. I just wonder. So that is also a, a, a very good question. So there are usually, um, and th that is really true, there are two main motivation reasons for buyers. One is money, and the other one 
is recognition. It's always one of the two. So what do I mean with money? Money could be a solution where you get more money from that makes you money, like a money printing software machine, or the other one is a solution that will save you money, which is usually top of the interest of a, of a CF, of a classical one. And then you have also the recognition thing, and that's really important because back at Beekeeper, we were selling a lot on the recognition part of being the greatest chief HR officer of all time because you changed the way how a company communicated. So Beekeeper is a communication platform. Many of you know for sure they are a very successful startup. So you need to know like what is moving the needle for, for this person. It's always one of the two. And of course, if it's money, you, you always need to link it somehow to the overall business goals that the company have. And that is what you find out if you have a relationship with someone that you are that you are working on, right? You also ask, like, because you have a genuine interest in the company, what they do, what are the challenges that they face, where they want to go next, what are the big topics that are that you hear, and yeah, people will tell you if you have the relationship. Should you also try to do both? Because I can imagine this can be the holy grail, right? You have the company saving money with Yokoi because it's way more efficient, but you also make the CFO the real champion because he or she introduced a kick-ass solution and all the people love at the company. Is that the holy grail that you're looking for? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, usually one of the two is stronger. <laughs> but the holy grail is if uh, they can save tons of money and be the coolest CFO of all time. And now with the leads, you often also said you have to reverse engineer the process, right? So do you also really talk about a mutual closing plan with the prospect to say, hey, these are the steps that we need to go through in order to have a signed deal at the end? How important is that? Yeah, so I think for everything you do in life, uh, a reverse engineered process makes makes a lot of sense. And the mutual close plan is the instrument that you use in the very beginning, where you say, hey, look, this is the goal where we want to go to. And then you start to reverse engineer the steps that you need to take to get to that goal. And that is called your mutual close plan because after, like when you had your meeting, you decide what are the next steps in order that you can still be in the timeline to reach your, your close date, that you can hit the implementation date. And we do that all, so we also have like the mutual close plan as a Salesforce field. So really you have to define these stages. And, um, and also we need the commitment from both the account executive that's working on the deal and also then from the prospect that this next step. So what I mean with that, it really needs to be like in your calendar, you need to have a clear next step defined. And in that mutual close plan, what role do special offers or free trials play? Do you do any of these? So free trials, so it depends a bit on, on the solution that you do. Like the more complex your solution is and the more customizable, the more your free trial will suck. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, to show like the real value of Yokoi, I would need to give you a credit card that you can use to spend money. You need to open up a bank account and you need to integrate it with your ERP system and that just doesn't work. And that's also one of the reasons why we don't do any, any pilots. So we don't do like proof of concept. And uh, I, I also had once uh, a session here at the, at the Blue Line where I also spoke about uh, proof of concepts and I really hate them. They're also not really great for investors and they are not like influencing your AOR. Like, so yeah, I would stay away from that and uh, really also push right for the 
like for really a, you know a, a full fledged implementation and then you just shorten your contract period for like one year instead of three but isn't that way harder to close than doing a free trial so the i mean the free trial anyway it it, it won't help you to to close usually so i mean i can tell you we we did a lot of free trials at beekeeper and what they did really well is they they were able to track like how many times that the prospect logged in and what activities they did on the platform right uh, and that makes sense for the solution that they have i mean we have the same we just don't have like the fancy dashboards but i can tell you most of the people that do free trials they will not try it out and even myself i we we bought um uh uh, sales loft licenses and I was also insisting on a free trial for two weeks and did you think I was doing one single activity on sales loft in that time so you basically say free trials it's a waste of time yeah, and resources I mean, if they really insist on it uh, yeah you can do it but then you have to yeah, the, the thing is with trials you have to moderate it you have to be in constant talks with the prospect and, and engage them because otherwise yeah you will you will lose them there and what do you do with a client that says, hey, I love your solution. I want to have a full-fledged implementation, but your price is too high. I want to get a discount. I mean, it's also a bit different than it used to be, right? So now we have uh, implemented a new pricing plan uh, where it's not so easy to get discounts, also not for, for the AEs. Um, so they're like rules and... and uh, we got so corporate, oh my God. So <laughs> <laughs> they have to do a, a request to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, but no, for real. Um, the prices to I need a discount usually is like they don't understand like the value um, of the product, or it's just something that that uh, that they always do. Um, and I think instead of, I mean, the thing you do not want to touch usually is like the recurring revenue. Like, I think what is what you can do is. You can give, I mean, it also depends a bit on like what are your goals as a company. I mean, if you're if you're raising money and you have, you are in talk with Sequoia and you know you need to deliver like a bump quarter, uh, then of course you're looking out for for stuff like that, and then you have leverage. And I think and that works actually really well if someone says like, hey, uh, the price is too high. Um, what we also do is we try to make the deal even bigger that they pay even more but they get also more services on top that you say, hey, look, um, we will go for Yokoi expense, Yokoi invoice, uh, and, and you will take um, the PO matching on top and we will have all your purchase order invoices also on the tool. Um, then we can, we can do something with the discount. But one thing that has changed a lot for Yokoi is that we have the card with cashback. And the, usually when you do the business case calculation, it's super easy to... Uh, to do that but if if i go back like when we started out we did of course a lot of of discounts and yeah it will end up being a little bit like a bazaar but that's not bad at all because the customers that buy very early they usually don't have the same product than someone that buys like if you're three years old and you're 180 employees then usually the product is much better so you can also yeah have some argumentation like and therefore, I think it's it's okay if you do that in the beginning. Part of the game. Sort Absolutely. Of. Referrals, that's also an important point on two ways. 
you giving referrals to the clients that are interested in your solution, but also you asking for referrals from your clients. Mm -hmm. How do you make both of them happen and when is the right time yeah. to show or ask for them? So the best partnerships that we have, referrals, are the ones where we constantly give each other referrals. Um, a very good topic is the VAT reclaim topic. So if you have an entity, I, I'm not a tax expert, but if you have business in Germany, for example, and you have an entity in Germany, you can reclaim all of the VAT. You can even reclaim the VAT from your Swiss entity uh, when you bought stuff from Germany, like over your Swiss entity. And there are tools for that. And we work with, with those VAT providers together. And that is like something really cool because within the qualification, we even ask like VAT reclaim, is that a, is that a topic that you do? They're interesting, so you know, okay, I can potentially refer them to my partner. And I said in the beginning, the, blow, the, the best partnerships are the, are the ones that are both bi bi-directional. Um, that is because if you're talking to the same decision maker and your solutions are somehow connected, then you can really get into that crazy lead flow. And uh, yeah, that, that is like, for me, that is like the holy grail because, and now I come also with some uh, figures, you will be six times more likely to to close a, like a referral from a partner and then if you talk about customer referrals you have like a 90 percent win rate i mean you really have to be i don't know that how can you fuck up a customer referral i mean usually that that are the easiest one to close right when do you ask your customers to send you referrals do you specifically ask them when they close a deal with you or when is the best time to do that okay so now going back again to the discounts um, a really good thing you can do, especially early stage, is to ask for referrals for a discount. And then you have to insist on them giving you warm intros even before you do the implementation. Because you might have some bumps on the road <laughs> during your implementation. But it works out really well. Usually they're like super open for that. Um, uh, I, I know many people are not comfortable doing that because it's like a, a Stabsaugervertreter. Like <laughs> you sign today. <laughs> You get 10% discount, but I need two referrals. Um, so that works really well in the early stages. And then, of course, what you, what you want to implement is like a journey where after the contact signature, you go into the implementation phase where you have your customer success manager, like a nice phase, and, and, and you will get a great experience going through that process, someone that is really taking care of you. Then that is also a great um, point in the journey to ask for referrals. You also ask clients multiple times for referrals? Yeah, we do. Perfect. Now, I also want to talk about tools. I know you've tested them all. So what are your favorite tools when it comes to the whole sales process? So my favorite tools are the ones that our data protection officer approves. <laughs> That's also one thing that has changed. Before, we were just buying lead lists from a guy named Diego or something. <laughs> <laughs> We're not being recorded, right? <laughs> uh, no, we never. No. No, I mean, um, uh, lead, lead lists are, are really good uh, thing. <laughs> no, lead, lead lists are really a, a good thing. And uh, like on Fiverr, you can, you can find them. Um, you just have to be really careful, right? With the, for real, GDPR, uh, take it seriously, especially if you prospect in Germany. Um, so uh, sales, sales stack, so the tech stack of sales. So I think, um, and we did also many mistakes there. Um, for example, uh, we implemented HubSpot when we had like 100K AR. That's like when we started to implement our CRM solution. And back then, we didn't really know like what are the 
proper fields that you need to have in a, in a CRM system. And we were all like, yeah, I mean, we worked at it with Salesforce at Beekeeper, so we know how to set it up. Uh, turns turned out that now we have a data problem because we <laughs> we fucked up the settings and uh, we didn't want to pay for like professional services to implement it properly. So uh, again, <laughs> a, a fuck up that we did there. But uh, coming back to your question, I think the most important one is your CRM tool where you log everything because that will also be the tool you use for forecasting. And uh, also, I mean, when you start fundraising, uh, you will have to give a lot of numbers and they want to know like what is your sales cycle, your average deal size. Without a CRM, it's going to be hard to get all those numbers. And then what I would recommend is to get a proper um, prospecting tool. Um, depends a bit on the size that you have. We, we now implement SalesLoft really for prospecting, which is a great solution where you can... Uh, make they call it cadences. It's like a sequence where you have first email going out, then you do a call, LinkedIn uh, invite, etc. And um, but also there are for smaller startups you can have like interseller. I mean there are tons tons of tools that you can use. I think even Salesloft offers for smaller startups um, uh, a growth plan that you can grow into. Uh, I think that is really important. And then of course one of my favorite tools or licenses, uh, Sales Navigator. I mean I love it that. That's just like, it's like uh, the Gelben Seiten, but for <laughs> if you want to do uh, B2B sales, it's like, uh, yeah, you can find anyone up there. Um, yeah, let me think what else. Yeah, I think that, that sums it up pretty well. I mean, we have, I mean, we even have tools for like your slide decks and uh, customer engagement during the meeting. But I think the most important ones are, are those that I just mentioned. Are there any tools that you would say, oh, please stay away from them, never use them? I have one. I I was uh, I asked when we founded Yoko, like also a, a VP sales of of Starmind, <laughs> what what is the the tool that we absolutely need to have? And then he was uh, taking out his phone and he was like, "This is the only tool you need to sell." So I just wanted to say that. Um, and the tools, your question, that where I would recommend to stay away from it. Um, I mean. I mean, we never bought a tool that I like regret, regretted, right? Um, but that's also because um, the, my co-founder Thomas, who is the CFO, he was a CFO before, and he really doesn't like spending money. So <laughs> I always came up with great ideas, and uh, yeah, and then he always said, "Typical fight between." Out to be no. yeah. yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, bad tools. Uh, I, I, no, no idea, really. Sorry. Fair point. So to wrap up the conversation, I have two more final questions for you, then we can open for the Q&A session. What's the number one misconception from your experience that people have about being a great salesperson? Um, so I, I, I mean, I think one thing that, that I experienced or I experienced back then when I also did a lot of direct sales is um, that you are like not genuinely interested in what a company does and and you really want to make like the short-term money out of it and i can say that is a lie um i mean for me the and and that's up until now i mean i, I don't do any sales calls but sometimes when we have like important uh, so we close abb which is a big big customer so of course i went with the team to the meetings and whenever i'm in a sales meeting and I can ask questions and they tell me about their business, what they're doing, their challenges. That, that is something that I really, it really sparks the fire in me. And also like tons of ideas come to your head for your next uh, startups that you could do. So I really love talking to people. So yeah, it's not about like the short term 
you know, success, money, whatever that you need for your company. But yeah, I, I think uh, most of the salespeople that I know, they really love to learn about the companies, how they're doing it and, and expand the network. I mean, most of the salespeople, they are like uh, people, people, persons, they love to connect, they love to exchange. So yeah, that, that is one uh, of the, the misconceptions. And, and, and the second one is that outbound doesn't work. That's just complete bullshit. Absolutely, yeah. I, I love the first point that you mentioned. It's basically about natural curiosity to learn more. And yeah, yeah. yeah, it's actually we did a, a candidate assessment sheet where we have like some of some points that we check, and one is like curiosity. That's like a point that we really look out for in in salespeople, and also coachability, uh, emotional intelligence, intelligence. Like we have some some points that we look out for in in these people. And you know the second part. There's always some rapid-fire questions for you. Uh -oh. We're just going to wrap up with those. So I give you either a choice or a quick question you have to answer in one sentence. Okay. You're already experienced in that. We did that many times. I know. And, uh, and you, you sent me some rapid-fire questions once. And I thought that were the ones you wanted to ask. But he was just telling me like how it works. That I was super surprised, like rapid-fire. And I was like, oh, shit. I need to okay. answer now. Sales or marketing? Sales. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Come on. Salesforce, Pipedrive, or HubSpot? Depends on your budget and the size of the company, but I would always go for Salesforce. Europe or the United States? First Europe, then United States. And the last one, how would you like to you know, have an exit with Yokoi, trade sale or IPO? <laughs> so if Elon Musk wants to buy Yokoi, I would say trade sale, um, but otherwise IPO. Okay. If Elon calls, it's okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Great. Lars, thank you so much for all these insights. And now we have a few more minutes for questions. First, thank you and a big round of applause. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.